So every now and again, ever so often, it's, it's, it's wise uh, for us to, to slow down and fast. We need to pause every time in certain seasons to realize that, you know, this, this flesh of mine, I can't let it rule, reign, and govern me like it does because we're so impulsive when we do all these things in our flesh. And um, God has commissioned, God has called us to fasting. When Jesus was on this earth and they're eating, the Pharisees are pretty uh, aggravated, saying, how come you guys never fast? And Jesus says, why would fast? I mean, the, you know, here I am, but we're hanging out, we're having a good time. But the day will come when I'm not here, and then they will be fasting. And so Jesus said the fasting was to be encouraged for his New Testament disciples when he ascended into heaven. And so that is why we practice that, and we'll get into it here. But uh, it's just funny to me, we talked about this before, when we talked about slow down and fast about three years ago or so. Uh, the irony of, of, you know, a fast is that it goes so slow. If you've ever fasted before, and if you're here, you know what fasting is. It's, it's abstaining from food. And if you've never uh, abstained from food longer than uh, five minutes, uh, then you're in for a real treat to get into fasting. And uh, some, some, some of you all don't know how to make it beyond five minutes. You always have your purse with your little snacks in there, and you got your little wrappers, you know, during church service, and you pop them. And it happens all the time when I'm, when I'm preaching at places. People are always sneaking snacks during the preaching. Uh, but fasting, the word fast literally has two definitions. One is to abstain from food. The other literal definition of fasting is to cover one's mouth, which the conclusion is you are abstaining from food. Fasting defined, as stated, is to cover one's mouth. So fasting is abstaining from eating and or drinking. Fasting is sometimes no eating but drinking fluids, Fasting is sometimes no eating and not taking in any fluids. But fasting is never eating, and eating is never fasting. Now, that might be a paradigm shift for some people to hear that in the day and age which we're living, and we'll talk a little more about that. But by definition, by definition, fasting is not eating, and eating is not fasting. And so we... We actually fast on a, a daily basis, uh, believe it or not. It's called the Darius Fast, and um, it's probably everybody's favorite fast or only time they practice the fast on a regular, consistent basis, and that's found in Daniel chapter 6, verse 18 and 19. The Bible says the king went to his palace, and he passed the night fasting, and he didn't listen to his music that night, and sleep went from him. The king arose very early in the morning, went in haste into the den of lions. Of course, I'm, I'm, I'm joking here um, because when I'm talking about the Darius fast, uh, I'm talking about when you go to sleep, you're not eating. You are sleeping. Uh, and, and in the morning, what do you do? Uh, if you're in the will of God, you're eating cinnamon toast crunch. We know that. Uh, if you're out of the will of God, you're probably eating like, you know, uh, Cheerios, plain Cheerios, one of the worst inventions known to mankind. Uh, but if you're here, God will work on you. But the, 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 the reason why it's called breakfast, this, I know this is going to be revolutionary for those who may have never heard it. it. It's a compound word. Break fast. Breakfast. Because all night you are sleeping and you are not eating unless you have a, a gift. 
And maybe some of you have that and you need to teach me because I, I love to eat. I could eat all day. I could eat every day. And I could live off of food. I love it. But the reality is when, when, we, when we go to sleep, we are not eating. When you wake up, you are hungry. And so you go to get something to eat. That's where the term breakfast comes from. Now, I'm, I'm joking about uh, uh, King Darius here in Daniel chapter 6. He, he legitimately went on a fast. One, he did not eat, even though people typically don't eat through the night. But he stayed up all night. And he abstained from entertainment, and he was focused in prayer for the salvation of somebody, for the protection of somebody in an urgent situation. And so there are variations that surround fasting, such as an all-night prayer meeting, such as abstaining from entertainment. But ultimately, by definition, fasting is to cover one's mouth to not eat any food. And so... Fasting, it, it varies in duration. Here's a few in the Bible that uh, you come across. There is a one-day fast, and uh, typically a, a day in, in the Jews' um, era is sunrise to sunset. But it also more than that is a 24-hour period. But a lot of times people, when they think of a fast in um, Judaism, they just confine it to sunrise to sunset. And so many people in the Bible recorded doing a one-day fast. Uh, the next fast you find are two-day fasts, which is recorded of Pharisees. If you are defining fasting twice a week as in consecutive, it does not state, but twice a week the Pharisees made a practice of fasting every week for two days out of the seven days. The next uh, duration of fast you find in the Bible are three consecutive days. Uh, you find Esther. That goes on a three-day fast. You find Saul who goes on a three-day fast. And uh, Esther, when she went on a three-day fast, and Saul, it was no food and no water. It was nothing entering into their mouth, nothing entering into their body. And Esther's situation, she she called the whole nation uh, to fast with her for this segment of time. Next, you will find seven consecutive days. Uh, you will find the men of Jabesh Gilead when they recover Saul's body, talking about King Saul in the Old Testament. After they recover his body, they went to consecration and they prayed and fasted and mourned for seven days. And it was not to alter the situation. It was to show the grief that they had, the mourning that they had, the intense impact of emotion that was upon them in the situation. So you can just tuck that away in your mind. Not every fast has to do with altering a situation. Some fasts have to do with revealing and grieving. And we talked about this way back last year when we preached about heal the land. And that not every fast and not every prayer is about altering something that has been done. But trying to grieve for what has been done. And God takes notice of that and God rewards that such as Jabesh Gilead, that tribe was rewarded by King David. He took note of what these men did, and they were honored for what they did. Next, you find a 14 consecutive days. Paul and the crew on the ship during the storm, they fasted for two weeks. Uh, they could have ate. There was food on board. You find out because after the 14 days, Paul's like, well, let's eat. So there was food on board. They had the option to eat. I don't know if I would have ate being seasick, being tossed to and fro, but the, the purpose was the sense of urgency that they were in, and they were trying to get 
uh, the favor and attention of God in direction. Next, we find 21 consecutive days of fasting, and that is if one defines the 21 days of Daniel, his mourning uh, and eating as fasting or a variance of fasting. Now, by definition, as we opened up, fasting by definition is never eating and eating is never fasting. But uh, just again, speaking to the day and age which we are in at the same time uh, to help people understand that what it is by definition and then what we see people doing and what has been done in the Bible. And God does bless Daniel, the 21 days of consecration, because from the very get go, when he set it out, the, the spirit world was activated. The angel was dis- dispatched and then there was a battle in the heavens. But we'll get into definitions and, you know, fussing and cussing about that later. Uh, but that's the next uh, incremental consecutive days you find of consecration when it comes to food. And next is 40 days. There's three people who went 40 consecutive days of fasting. That would be Moses, Elijah, and Jesus. And um, in some debate whether or not there was any liquid involved or not. You cannot unequivocally state whether there was or wasn't. But nevertheless, it was 40 days without food. That we do know. And next is 80 consecutive days. Uh, The one who holds the title for that would be Moses. After his first 40, he walked and saw what the children of Israel were doing, and he went right back into his fast for another 40 days. And so fasting is an exercise of discipline and self-denial, self-denial. This is very important to understand that when somebody goes to fasting, it is about denying one's self. You've heard me state this before. I'll state it again. The first attribute of a Christian is to deny oneself. Now, the first step to being a Christian is belief. But the first attribute after somebody actually becomes a Christian, Jesus says, if any man, Luke 9, 23, will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. So there's something to be said about a daily denial of oneself. I've shared this story before, and I I believe it's attributed to T.W. Barnes. I, I was in a, a, a sur, uh, I was listening, either I was listening to an old sermon or I was in a service when someone was talking about this individual and they practice a daily denial, not abstaining from food every day. And though they practice fasting, it was trying to find something to deny in the day. And one of his practices was any time that he went to the mail and opened up his mailbox and and, uh, an article in the mailbox would excite him, believing like there's probably some money in that envelope. Somebody probably sent an offering or something. He would intentionally wait a day before opening it just to keep his flesh in check. Not because it was a sin to open it, but just to let his flesh know, I'm not going to give in to every impulsive positive feeling that makes this flesh feel good. And it's important to know that that is a, a, a critical element of fasting is about self-denial. What do we want to do every day? Eat. We love food. If you don't love food, let me introduce you to the greatest Cinnabon maker in the house here today. And it will convert you very fast. But don't ask her to make you any cinnamon rolls or just for me. And so Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18, it says, Moreover, when you fast, someone say when you fast. 
Do not be as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces. They may appear unto men to fast. But I say to you, they have their reward. But when you have fast, anoint your head. That word anoint literally means like use gel, comb your hair. For those here who don't take care of your hair and gel it and comb it, maybe, you know, there's something to do. Uh, Verse 18, it says, Thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which sees you in secret will reward you openly. The word when, not if when you fast, not if you fast. And there was a season the disciples did not fast, and there's seasons we do not fast. But Jesus, there are seasons that you're going to need fasting. And he says, when I go, they're going to fast. And if you've ever felt like Jesus has went from you, that might be a good indication. Maybe I need to get into fasting. I haven't heard from him like I've heard from him before. I haven't seen him like I've seen him before. I, maybe this is a season I, I need to fast to hear the voice of the bridegroom. And so it's, it is what a Christian is expected to do. And you've heard me teach a lot about prayer, that prayer unfortunately, is, is, is a dying discipline in so many Christians. When I did that survey at NAYC, so many people were flabbergasted and shocked by that, unless those that have been a part of the survey before in years past when I did it. But at, on that scale, people simply did not believe the statistical results of our movement's prayer life because they're just like, there ain't no way. But I, I had the data, I had all the... the, the surveys, etc. And it wasn't a surprise to me because I've been doing that for years. And if prayer is at that low of a level, you better believe fasting is even at a lower level than that. Now, there's nothing in the Bible says that X amount of days is going to get you into the kingdom of God of fasting and X amount of minutes is going to get you in the kingdom of God of prayer. There's no, no set amount, but there's something to be said about our amount, because it reveals, you know, you, you know what kind of tree by what kind of fruit. And sometimes you know where someone's at in their disciplines with God by their level of discipline. And so there's something to be said about practicing and living a life of fasting. And there's people who do it wrong. There's people who boast about it. We just read here in Matthew chapter six, Jesus says, look, there's people that do this to be seen of men. There's people that do this, you know, so, so people can pat them on the back and say, man, you are, you're so, such a highly consecrated individual. You're so spiritual. He says, fine. They have their reward and never let someone who does something wrong that is, that is actually right, but they do it wrong. Don't let that stop you from doing what's right. It's because like, well, I don't, I don't want to go to church. There's hypocrites there, you know. Oh, you're not going to go to work? There's hypocrites at work too. There's hypocrites at school. Like, I mean, there's hypocrites everywhere in every segment of society. So I'm not going to let a hypocrite at work stop me from going to work to provide for my family. And I'm not going to let a hypocrite at church stop me from going to church to provide for my spiritual well-being. And I'm not going to let a hypocrite in their fasting stop me from fasting to work on that element in me that I want to crucify and kill the hypocrite within me by doing something right. And so... We don't fast to be seen of men. And I'll just say this out here, and we'll talk about this again on the road, is when we get into fasting, this is not a venue where you go and you publicize it on social media. One, if you're doing it 
by yourself. You keep it to yourself. You don't need to announce anything to the church. But when the church does something together, there, there's a little difference there because we're going through it together. But as I stated in years past, we don't make that our centerpiece of conversation. Like, oh, oh, Henry, how are you doing? I'm, oh, I'm doing terrible, Henry. How are you doing? You're like, that's not the purpose of the fast. We may know we're fasting, but we're not going to talk about it. We're going to carry on. And we're going to be accountable one to another, but we're not going to basically try to, you know, measure who's going through it the worst or who's going through it the best. And so the truth be told, even though when when you go fast, there is going to be an element inside of you that's going to want somebody to know. And that's the very nature you're fighting. That's the very thing that you're trying to kill. Is flesh. Your flesh wants attention. Your flesh wants accolades. Your flesh wants to be recognized. Your flesh wants to be affirmed. But what we do is what Jesus said to do. We don't go around, attention, everybody. I am on a. That's not how this works. And so the fact that you feel to do it should communicate you, ah, this is inside of me. And my objective is to get rid of this that is within me. And so who cares if men see you when God sees you? That's, that's what matters. But what's harder is that we don't get to hear an audible feedback all the time from God. And we don't get to see his emoticon or emoji with a thumb up come right smack between our eyes. Versus we'll see that on social media. Or we'll see that with our peer group. And that's, again, the flesh that we fight. And so... We're supposed to continue our day as if we are not fasting. And there is a reward for fasting either way you do it. It's just which reward do you want? Do you want the attention of men or do you want the audience of God? You're going to get a reward for your fast. And if, if you had to choose, which one would you rather have? And if you would rather have God be your exceeding reward then you've got to go follow through with certain disciplines and also certain motives. And we'll get that later on. Matthew chapter 17, verses 14 through 21. The scene here is there's a multitude that come to Jesus and, and they kneel down to him. Uh, uh, and uh, this man says, Lord, have mercy on my son. He's a lunatic. How many parents have felt that about your kids? And uh, he says, oftentimes he falls into the fire. He falls into the water. I brought him to your disciples. They couldn't cure him. And Jesus' response is, isn't one of sympathy, actually. It's actually one of rebuke. And he says, faithless and perverse generation. How, how long am I going to be able to put up with this? How long can I suffer you? Bring him to me. And Jesus rebukes the devil. He departs out of him. The child was cured from that very hour. The disciples are pretty embarrassed. They go to the side with Jesus alone and say, how come we could not do that? And he says, because of your unbelief. And he's talking to people that have already cast out devils, already seen the supernatural, miraculous, etc. But he says, you have unbelief. And if you would have a grain of mustard seed, faith as a grain of mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, uh, remove hence to yonder place. It will remove and nothing nothing will be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind goes not out, but by prayer and fasting, prayer and fasting, not fast praying. 
Uh, you know, some people think like if they increase the speed of their prayer and decibel of their prayer, that means it's more powerful of a prayer. Now, there's something to be said about voice, and we've taught and preached on that, but it's, it's not solely your voice that makes things happen. There's more to it than that. If that was simply it, I mean, we would turn on more reverb effect on here and more, uh, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, gargly sounds in the microphone. Uh, but it's not just the voice. It is a kind of faith. Now, uh, I've preached about it before. I've heard other preachers about it before that he's saying that there's certain kind of demons and kind of obstacles that you come up against that prayer and fasting is going to be the next level to get through that level. And I believe there is a truth to that. Whether it is that or not, we don't totally know. I believe the context, though, is about faith, this kind of faith doesn't go out but by prayer and fasting. Not this kind of demon goes out but by prayer and fasting. This kind of faith is what goes out but by prayer and fasting. And what he's communicating to the disciples here is that there is a level in your faith that you can kind of cap off at and, and, and to go beyond the place of faith that you are at takes a season of prayer and fasting. And if you are up against something, that doesn't have to be demonic. It could be something that you need a financial provision or you need to see something happen for your family or you need to see something happen uh, in the church. And you, don't, you just know you don't have the faith for it. You might have the faith to see a financial miracle, but you don't have the faith that when you pray for someone, they're going to get the Holy Ghost. Well, I want that kind of faith. I want the kind of faith that when I pray for someone, I'm not doubting the entire time I'm praying for them. I want to believe that they're going to get the Holy Ghost. And so the the apostles came up against something where they didn't have the kind of faith to cast out that situation. And so Jesus says, this level of faith that you're needing, it's going to come from a season of prayer and fasting. And so this mustard seed faith, you like to emphasize how small a faith it takes to do that. But that little bit of faith comes from consecration. It comes from prayer and it comes from fasting. And so this prayer and fasting, it's the greatest tag team uh, of all in wrestling. You know, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, uh, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of the world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And we will defeat those things uh, that we don't have faith for if we would feed our faith with fasting and that some things are not accomplished by prayer alone. So if, if you're not seeing the breakthrough dimension, it might be because you're living in the breakfast dimension. You, 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 you might need to get out of the breakfast dimension and get into a season of fasting saying, God, I keep coming to this point, but I don't get beyond this point. I just, I'm not convinced that I can get there, that I, 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 I believe that it's going to happen. And that's what the father even cried out. He says, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. But see, the level of belief he had was below the belief he needed. And that's what we, we have to realize. There's just some things, and I'm, you've heard me say before, like when it comes to like financial miracles, like I just, I don't, I don't have a lot of doubt. I, I just genuinely, God has gifted me to believe for financial provision. Just, I was praying literally yesterday about a financial miracle, uh, a provision that my family needed. And this, the, the, today, a financial provision came in. And so, like, I just, I just believe. Now, when it comes to seeing, like, some, like, you know, a blind eye open or someone come out of a wheelchair, like, I get a little nervous. 
because I have prayed for those situations. I'm like, oh, God, why? why? I didn't know there was someone that was blind in the room. You know, oh my. And like all of a sudden there's a level of like depletion inside of me. I struggle a little more in that realm. But there's other things I just don't struggle for. So when I know that I'm praying and reaching for something, I need to get in sometimes that season of prayer and fasting. And uh, truth is fasting feeds faith. Your faith is affected by proper fasting. If you fast correctly, your faith will be affected tremendously. But you got to fast correctly. And the, the, the verbal bean book on prayer is like, it's my favorite book. Um, and not until the very last page of that book does he talk about fasting. It's only a page and a half. But I, that last page and a half is, is just, there's so much in that last page and a half. And it's so true uh, because I used to feel guilty about like not having this extra energy when I would pray or preach in fasting. And he talks about reserving it uh, because he believes in the power of the fast. But that fast would fuel his faith that when he would exit the fast and, you know, it's kind of like Jonathan eating the honey and his, you know, and everyone was all strengthened after the fast, after they fasted, when they ate, there was, there was strength for the fight. And that's what I have found to be true for me. A number of times when I fast, you know, I'm depleted, I'm weak. I continue as best as I can as I, as I was, but also like, uh, when, when, and I'm reserving my energy best as I can as I'm going on through that fast. But when I eat and I step back and like I have the strength, it's like my faith is so active. It's, it's so fed because my flesh has died and now my faith is fueled for whatever it is that is before me. Deuteronomy chapter 9 verses 16 through 20, then verse 25 and 26 as well. The scene is here. Uh, the children of Israel, they have made a molten calf. They're worshiping the calf after exiting out of Egypt. Moses is on top of the mountain, and he is, you know, hearing from God, and he's in his first fast. And then he comes down, and he says, You sinned against the Lord your God. You made the molten calf. You turned aside quickly out of the way which the Lord commanded you. And so I took two tables, cast them out my two hands, broke them before your eyes, and I fell down before the Lord as at the first 40 days and 40 nights. I did neither eat bread nor drink water. Uh, I, I stated earlier about um, the three not food and water, but here it explicitly states that Moses did not have it. It was Elijah and Jesus. It does not state about water. Um, but Moses here, it says, without food or water, because all of your sins which you sinned in doing wickedly in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger, for I was afraid of the anger and hot displeasure wherewith the Lord was wroth against you to destroy you. But the Lord hearkened to me at that time also. The Lord was very angry with Aaron to have destroyed him. And I prayed for Aaron also at the same time. Thus I fell down before the Lord 40 days, 40 nights as I fell down at the first because the Lord said he would destroy you. I prayed therefore the Lord and said, O Lord God, destroy not thy people and thine inheritance, which thou hast redeemed through thy greatness, which you have brought forth out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And so this is, this is the first fast recorded in the Bible. And this is around 1500 B.C. And, and he's fasting as he ascends up to Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments. And here's what's interesting about this. There, there's no law from God about fasting. 
There's no example recorded for Moses to emulate or model. There's no promised outcome of a fast. There's no precedent set for a fast. So Moses could have defined what fasting was. He could have did it any way he wanted to. He could have did, you know, I, I guess I'll just eat, you know, lettuce and, and uh, I'll eat fish and uh, I'll have all these dressings, you know, these special recipes. That's how I'll do my fast and I'll do it for 21 days. He could have said it however he want. Well, I'm only going to fast from a sugar-free pop, but I'm going to have regular sugar pop, you know. And yeah, he could have defined it however he wanted to. He could have made it a one-day fast. He would have been the first person to do it. A three-day fast. He could have picked anything. But he didn't pick the Daniel diet. He picked a 40-day absolute fast twice back-to-back. I mean, wow. You want to talk about setting the bar a little high? You want to talk about setting precedent. It's saying, you know what? I might be the first. I may have no other example, but I'm not going to go easy on this flesh. I'm, I want to get as much from God as I can. I want to get as close to God as I can. And you've heard me teach on this uh, 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 before. Is that, you know, um, uh, don't make a doctrine out of this. But you could almost say the first fast and the second fast were different. The first fast, it was just him and God. And, and, and when he came out of the fast, just like if you've never fasted before, if you've ever fasted greater than five minutes, you get hangry. And he came out irritable, and he sees all the sin after he's trying to basically give himself to God. Then he sees basically the, the, the sin of man, and he flips out, goes into a rage, slams the Ten Commandments on the ground. And one can say, you know, he, he, he failed. Now, not he didn't sin, but this is just, again a concept to consider is that it was just him. It was just God. And he reacted that way, exiting a fast. And I do believe, and we'll get to this like we have in the past, that when you exit a fast, how you exit it is as important as when you're entering the fast and when you're in the fast. There's three phases. There's the preparation going into it, what your spirit is, the spirit you have when you're in it, and the spirit you have going out of it. All three phases are very important, and one can undo the other if you're not careful. And so Moses comes out in anger and rage. But when he goes back this time, it's not just about himself and what he gets to experience with God. He's doing on behalf of others. It's a different motive. It's a different fast. This is not just about me and getting a hold of God. This is about me interceding for my people, interceding about sin, and interceding for my family, my brother Aaron, who God's about to destroy. And he fasts. Though God doesn't require it, he does it. And when he comes out of the second fast, he comes out with the glory of God radiating off of him. Didn't say it was like that the first fast. He came out with anger. He came out with a rage. He came out, you know, uh, uh, which right, I'd be ticked off as well. I mean, you here you are trying to live for God. You step out and like everybody, like it didn't even take them barely a month to walk away from God. You know, one single quarantine, you know, trying to break the curve or whatever. And, and boom, they, they're already all backslid. And it doesn't take long to backslide. And that's why it's important that we're a part of the church. Amen. But he came back the second time in the glory of God, the glory of God. There's something to be said about fasting with the right motive. And for the right purpose and the right reason. And so uh, the first mention of fasting after Moses 
is the annual requirements to fast as a congregation on the Day of Atonement. That's found in Leviticus 16, 29. Which is interesting, by the way. God mandated a fasting for everybody. Well, God, I you don't, you don't understand my condition. Now, I'm not here. Uh, if you're here and you have a legit condition, I'm not giving you medical advice. Don't sue me. And I think there are some legit things that we need to be conscious and aware of, you know, especially, you know, if you're a nursing mother or you're pregnant, etc. So I'm not belittling any of that. But it is interesting that God mandated a fast across the board for everybody. He didn't, he didn't give any wiggle room. He says, this is what everybody does on the day of atonement. But fasting never gains traction in Scripture until a woman named Hannah fasts to be healed and have a son to give to the Lord. And Samuel is born, and a culture of fasting is ignited. It's when somebody basically got into this spirit of fasting and birthed somebody that got into fasting. And all of a sudden, it's just now you see fast after fast after fast. But before that, you don't, you don't hear nothing about it. There's nothing set. There's no precedent until Moses does it, and then God enacts it in law. And so Daniel chapter 9, verse 3 few more verses here. I'm just about done. Uh, Daniel says, I set my face into the Lord to seek by prayer, supplications, with fasting, sackcloth, ashes. Verse 20 says, while I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin, the sin of my people Israel, presenting my supplication before the Lord my God, for the holy mountain of my God. While I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I have seen in the vision, Gabriel's an archangel, at the beginning being caused to fly swiftly, touches me about the time of the evening oblation. And he informed me, talked with me, said, O Daniel, I have now come forth to give you skill and understanding. At the beginning of thy supplications, the commandment came forth, and I come to show you, for you are greatly beloved. Therefore, understand the matter, consider the vision. So prayer fasting, when you get into that season, it is... It is spiritual warfare. And eventually the hunger of the spirit will surpass the hunger of the flesh. You know, as, as much as your flesh will want food, it will be eclipsed by what your spirit wants. And there's just a sweet threshold that's crossed where all you can maybe think about is food and how terrible your body feels because you're just wanting food. I want food. I want nutrients. I want carbs. I want calories, whatever. But something happens. There's a crossing point in fasting. If you've ever gone into the extended season of fasting, if you've, it, when I mean by extended, I'm talking two, three days. Yes, that 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 is more than one day. But if you've not ever been to the place of seven to fourteen to twenty-one days, and I'm not I'm not saying that's what you have to do. That's you got to be very prayerful about that. And we'll again down the road we'll talk more about it. But when you get into an extended season of fasting. God really does change you. He really does rewire you. He really does begin to reconstruct and reconfigure you. And extreme judgment was appeased by extended fasting. And, 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 and exciting revelations were made by or given by extended fasting. You know, Moses in his extended fast held back the judgment of God upon a people and they found mercy and Daniel, in this fast, as he's fasting and repenting for his people, God begins to give him revelation of things he wanted to understand. God, this, 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 this word that I have from you 
is so thick. It is so coated. It is so spiritual. And I am so carnal. I got to kill this flesh so I could see what's here in the spirit. And God gave him spiritual revelation from extended fasting. And our culture has gone to such great lengths to redefine basically anything. Anything's on the table to redefine. No matter what it is, you know, gender and, and, and sexual orientation and all this kind of stuff, it's gone to great lengths to, to, to move the barometer on, on military, on, on college, on gender. And it's crept into the church where we do the same thing with spiritual disciplines. We've redefined what we think prayer is. And, oh, who are you to judge? You know, that five minutes is, you know, that, that just doesn't mean anything to God. Well, I didn't say it doesn't mean anything to God. But, but to think that that is the depths of God, the, the infinite, immortal, eternal God, that you, could, you can get glean as much as you can with just five minutes every, once every other week. No, we're, we're missing something when we just keep lowering the bar of our expectations of spiritual consecration and discipline with God. And, and that's what's happened with fasting, in my estimation. And there's the popular fast in church right now. We're like, oh, I'm fasting from media, or uh, I, I'm, I'm fasting from R-rated movies. I'm just going to watch PG-13 now. Or, I'm just going to fast from, you know, hard porn, and I'm just going to watch soft porn now. It's, it's like, apps, I'm being ridiculous, you know that. But I'm just saying, like, we, we, we have so messed up what fasting is and what some people call a fast. Really, it's actually just called Christian living. You shouldn't be watching that mess anyways. You shouldn't be listening to that mess anyways. Don't call it a fast because you're not watching it now. No, that's called I'm going to be a Christian now. I'm not going to watch that movie. I'm not going to watch these shows. I'm not going to be all into TV and all this kind of stuff. I, I, I want to be a Christian. I want to just be dialed into the things of God. That's where we ought to be. But but we've, we've redefined fasting when it comes to, well, like, you know, I'm just, uh, I don't like green olives, and so I'm going to fast green olives. Like, what? Like, that's, that's not a fast. You don't like green olives. Or, you know, like, well, I'm just, I'm, I'm just going to remove olives from my salad, but, you know, the pepperonis and uh, the kielbasas and the steak and flaming onions, that's going to be on top of my lettuce. Like, it's just the wildest things. And I, it sounds crazy, but I'm telling you, I've heard crazy. I have heard crazy of what people call fasting but by definition biblically it is to cover one's mouth and to prevent food from entering the only exception we see to a fast is to allow fluids to enter into the body uh when we get to daniel chapter uh uh uh, 10 you know in daniel chapter 1 daniel chapter 9 and daniel chapter 10 or the three times we see about Daniel, the Hebrew boys, with food. And only Daniel chapter 9, they call it a fast. The other two, they don't call it a fast. It says they're selective about what they eat, and there's mourning. And I do believe God blesses them because we see it in both occasions. We see that they, their countenance is better in Daniel chapter 1 than everyone else's because they did something as unto the Lord. In Daniel chapter 10, he mourns for 21 days, not eating, uh, not having any sweet wines and uh, enjoyable foods enter in his mouth. He's basically what scholars, which, you know, th- that term's interesting anyways. Uh, the estimation is that, you know, it was just like stale bread, you know, like eating croutons or something. I don't know. But he, he basically was not enjoying delicious delicacies. He wasn't getting those cinnamon rolls. And uh, uh, so he was abstaining from that, and God blessed him. And 
he was at the place where literally it, it did dehabilitate his body. He wasn't chowing down all you can eat salad bar. He was literally actually going through something and he was humbling himself and he's crying out to God. And in both occasions of Daniel one and Daniel 10, God, there is a visitation that happens. So it's not to discredit someone that does not go 100% without food, but it's still not the same. And Daniel chapter 9 is when it calls it a fast, when he actually abstains totally from food, but all three times there is a visitation. But today, again, as I said, we've redefined things where where people go on a Daniel fast. I I endearingly call it the Daniel diet. Um, But... uh, I think it is an excellent model to follow to wean yourself into an extended fast of no food. Because to go cold turkey, like where, you know, you're eating a stuffed crust, deep dish, little Caesars the night before you go on your, uh, you know, 14-day fast, that's not a good idea. And we could talk about that again a little later down the road. Um, But if you've never fasted before, there's some things you could do to prepare you mentally and physically to go into a fast that is abstaining from food and beverage or just food itself. Now, fasting is an ultimate reset. And done properly, it it rewires, it reconditions an individual. Uh, Fasting is the ultimate repent. Uh, when When you see nations and people that want to get to the depths of repentance, they'll go into fasting. Um... I could, I, I, I don't know if I could, I'm trying to go through the archives of, you know, life of fasting. If I've ever gone on a fast just in repentance, I have fasted for a variety of purposes and reasons, but I, I've never practiced that biblical fast where like, I just, I went to fasting for repentance. And that's just an interesting concept that, you know, I've never gotten into, but it's there biblically that people, when they would get to the depths of of repentance, they would go into fasting. And so um, when, 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 when we, you have the one-day fast, two-day, three-day, uh, seven-day, 14-day, 21-day, 40-day, 80-day, and they each have a benefit. There's, there, there's different uh, uh, outcomes spiritually and effects that happen on you. And not every fast I've done is the same, but what I have found is uh, when I go on an extended fast, going back to that phrase, a rewire, reset, or reconstructing, um, I literally, I have had my personality, like, change in fasting. I've had my, my temperament, my mind, my frame of thinking literally just completely broken, where my human spirit was broken. And my personality, which is, uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a giggly little guy, but, like, a lot of the giggle was just broken and taken from me. In the seasons that I have done extended fasting, I have become a more somber person. I still joke around. I still, I'm whatever, silly. But uh, if, if you've known me long enough, you probably have seen my personality change over the years. And a lot of that, not all of it, but a number of elements have to do with seasons of extended fasting where God literally just pulled some things and insecurities out of me and put some securities into me where I thought I had to be the class clown to get the affirmation and to find value and to find worth. But God would begin to extract things and begin to put a somberness about eternity inside of me, that life's not just one big joke and not just about having a good time. And God had put inside of me an eternal weight of awareness. And so 
we'll talk more about that. I want to read one thing here. Um, and it's by uh, a lady named Lori Wagner. Uh, she's, she's a preacher in her movement. And uh, she wrote this this little statement about fasting, and she called it opening the heart. And I, I, I've kept it, and I really like it. It's, it's very uh, insightful and accurate. And here's what she says. An outward sign of repentance has never been sufficient to God. She's referring to Joel chapter 2, verse 13. Tearing clothes, wearing ashes is not what he wants to see. Rather, God wants to see a rending of the heart that reveals genuine humility and tenderness. To rend doesn't just mean to tear. It can also refer to making wide or large of eyes or to open the heavens. When Christians rend their hearts through fasting, could it be their spiritual vision is expanded and they experience more of heaven? In Joel 2.12, God said, Turn to me now while there is time. Give me your hearts. How does a person do that? God answers the question with fasting, weeping, with mourning, with rending the heart and turning unto the Lord your God. Turning means to return, to come back to relationship. And that is to be done with all the heart, the inner person, mind, will, soul, and understanding. God wants all of you turned toward him. Through fasting and prayer, God's people rend their hearts and consecrate themselves to him. Jesus told his followers that some strongholds will come down only by adding fasting to prayer. Fasting afflicts yourself. The word afflict comes from a root word that means to look down. In simple terms, fasting gives human pride a reality check, a fresh perspective on God's bigness and humanity's smallness. It brings carnal appetites and emotions in line and gets things in their proper order. When God's people are in God's order, they are positioned for the miraculous with open eyes and open hearts. Wow. The, it's so true. The, the times that I have done extended fasting or absolute fasting, an absolute fast, for those who may not know, it means, it means no food, no water, no liquids at all. Uh, then fasting typically means no food but fluids. But anytime I've done a, a three-day fast with no fluids and no food, or I've done a fast that has been 21 days or greater. And I say it's just for factual information. It's not boastful. Uh, you know me well enough, and we've, we've fasted together enough to know. Uh, but I've done multiple 40-day fasts, multiple 21-day fasts. And, and, and I've learned to share that. First, I never shared any of that information with people. But I've learned to that it's been helpful information for people that have never done it and knew nothing about it. Um, literally, like almost... Not every January, but many Januarys beginning of the year. I, uh, going into January, I get a number of phone calls. People will listen to our, our website about fasting. When we went through that series, slow down and fast. It's it's one of those things that's went out there quite a bit, and uh, uh, so people are very interested because it's not taught as much as it needs to be taught. It's not focused on and and discussed as much as it needs to be uh, as a church together. It's just kind of like a private side thing that weirdos do. 
You know, only like the weirdos in the church do it. Or, you know, the, the crazy supernatural type people or whatever. But it, it's, it's a discipline that's meant for everybody. It doesn't mean everybody's going to do a 40-day fast. It doesn't mean everybody's going to do a 21-day fast. But I do believe a Christian should fast. And there's benefit to fasting. There's elements of your flesh that will never be dealt with until you learn to crucify that flesh. And what I've learned going back to the, the extended fasting is, is usually the, the, the sediment of my life rests in the bottom of my soul. But when I fast and the purging is taking place, that sediment, that pus, that poison comes to surface. And I always, anytime I've had to do an extended fast, I always have to deal with something that is within me that I have forgot about or never knew about. And pride is always, it sneaks up his little head up there and, and, and past traumas, past hurts and bitterness and unforgiveness. I mean, just, just stuff you don't think about because it's just like sediment setting on the bottom of the ocean floor that hasn't been explored. But when you fast and it goes to the depths of your innermost being and things begin to come to surface. And, it's, and if you don't go into a fast properly, when it surfaces, you won't know how to handle it properly. That's why going through it with information and revelation and training will help you because there's things that come up in a fast that God wants you to have the victory over. Let's stand together at 755. And uh, I'm excited to get into more of this the upcoming weeks and as we go on fasting together. For those who may not have heard, but uh, the day after Easter for 50 days, I'm I'm, uh, believing that our church is going to go on a chain fast, meaning that every day for 50 days, at least somebody will be fasting uh, uh, for a 24-hour period. And we as a church will be in a frame of mind. Uh, getting ourselves ready and equipped for the next phase of harvest. We've seen the first phase, but there's another phase of harvest that is coming. And we got to have the right spirit because you better believe revival can make people arrogant. We think that we're doing something better. We're doing something right. We're doing awesome. And, you know, we're the only ones with God's favor. No, 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 no. Go on a fast and God will still show you what we need to work on and what to be ready for. And so that's why we're fasting because we want to have humility and unity. And then God will take care of all the other stuff. And I want to be ready for what God is doing. And so I believe it's very possible the size of our church that we could have three, four people signed up every day. I, I don't know how it's all going to turn out when we start handing the sign-up sheet. You know, we're, we're going to believe that we're going to have a round-the-clock th- that day, every day, or on the calendar, however we're going to do it. I'll, I'll figure that all out. But I'm excited for the season that we're going to be going through together. It was exciting last time, three years ago. We haven't done it as a church in three years but I believe God's going to help us in this next phase. Lord, I love you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth. I thank you for what you are doing. God, you are awesome. God, you are powerful. God, you are wonderful. God, you are excellent. I give you the praise. I give you the glory. I give you the honor. I give you the worship. And I pray you help us, God, in these upcoming weeks, God, as we fast together, as we learn about it, as we practice it, Lord, that we have the right motive. We have the right spirit, God, and that we are one mind, one accord, one place, and that 
that your kingdom would come, your will would be done. We thank you for what you are doing. We're thankful, God, that we're about to see another person baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We celebrate it. We're excited. And Lord, this is the tip of the iceberg. What you have done in these past two and a half months, Lord, you're about to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or even think. We give you the credit. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. No flesh will glory in your presence. You get the glory. You get the honor. We will fast and crucify his flesh in Jesus' name.